3: Hi guys and welcome back to your weekly Stoke City podcast every step along the way. This podcast as always is supported by our friends at the Stoke City fans from all around the world Facebook group and as always we've got a very action-packed pod again this week. We'll take a look back at the Lost versus Derby, we'll look ahead to Hull this weekend including some audio from the Hull camp. We've got Radio Stoke's Graham McGarry who will join us giving his predictions and will also discuss all the news and updates from around the club this week. And as always, guys, uh, Dan has joined me today uh, for this week's pod. So thank you very much for joining us, Dan. Um, And I just want to say thank you to everyone as well uh, for this week. So we've had some great uh, kind of figures once again. uh, We've got some new kind of countries that have joined the list for listeners as well. Uh, So Qatar, uh, I think Thailand's back on there in in abundance as well, and a few various areas. So uh, again, it always surprises in terms of how far and wide the Stoke City community is and that's why we always love to give you guys a mention so uh thank you very much um so uh Dan uh, let's kick off mate so uh, derby results uh, didn't exactly go the way that we all probably thought it would um so uh, what was your thoughts on the result mate bit disappointed
4: yeah i think uh, friday nights announcement sort of <laughs> left a bit of an inevit- inevitability around the result didn't it i think uh <laughs> just a bit. The, 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 yeah the, the charity case that is um you know stoke city football club was uh well In <laughs> we were all well prepared for that um but we were hoping that this was a, a new look stoke city that you know we weren't going to go back to our old ways but unfortunately yeah we, we uh we, we did with that Well, didn't leave there with any points did we um I think, yeah. You know, from, we we were sort of looking in quite control, and it was sort of just a mad five minutes. That just the game was just gone, wasn't it? We were, yeah. You know, we were looking the better side, and then they had five minutes, scored two goals. To you know, you can you can pinpoint where both goals have come from from our side as well, which you know is which isn't good, but um, yeah, I think, yeah, it would have been nice to uh, to have actually, you know, kept the momentum going and got got three points and another away win, but it wasn't to be.
3: No, absolutely, mate, and like, like you said, I think it was just a crazy five minutes or so, even even that's probably a bit too much. And I thought second half, we were definitely better than the first, um, and you know, I think if you want to maybe pull out one or two things from that game, I mean, obviously, you know, Bursic, is very much um, obviously a talking point from the weekend and I know that you know for example I think somebody put a comment on uh, Twitter as well around you know his performance and the kind of stats versus kind of you know Davis and bits like that people questioning whether he should be in the team, whether it should be dropped and various different things. And I mean, I'll get your, your thoughts on that in a sec, but just to throw some stats at you that people have been um, hitting Bosic over the head with. So, uh, so yeah, in the last 23 games, uh, so Bosic has uh, played 23, got nine clean sheets and conceded 29 goals. Adam in his last 23, has played 23, uh, con- has, has actually got 13 clean sheets and only conceded 17 goals. So, yeah. Um, Interesting stats. I, th- I suppose the one stat from that is Davis has probably got about eight, nine years worth of experience on Bursic. Um, and me personally, Dan, I wouldn't be dropping him at this point. I think it'd be so, so harsh uh, to drop him this early. But, you know, again, you could flip that on its head and say, well, look, you know, he's, he's cost us three points there, which could be, you know, detriment to the end of the season. So um, I don't think it's time to drop him. But what's your kind of thoughts? Would you kind of bring Davis in or give him more
4: time or? Uh, no, I, I, I wouldn't be dropping him at all. I think last season, um, what we obviously, he came into the side very raw, he was in a major, you know, we pulled him back from a loan spell at Doncaster and he was shoved straight into the side. He was a young lad, no championship experience, and he did well for us. But then I was fully, fully supportive of, of Michael O'Neill taking him out of the side when he did last year. Because I thought he, you know, he was very clever in what he did. He was a young lad. He'd, he'd come in. He'd earned all these rave reviews, but then he'd sort of started to make the odd mistake. And I thought Michael O'Neill had seen that quite quite cleverly, and thought if I take him out now, he's still got the confidence to come back again. Whereas if he lets them mistakes sort of start adding up, he may have, if he takes him out too late. Then obviously his confidence would be shot, and then all the good work that we got from those first few games would be unravelled. Now though, I think you're in the opposite. So if you take him back up the side again, especially on the eight games into the season when we're fifth in the league, what's that going to do to his confidence? And I know that obviously we've got to pick the best side to go and get a result, and you know, and but at the same time, Joe Bersig is going to be a very good player for this football club. Many, many years, hopefully. And Adam Davies is there at the minute, and he's putting great pressure on him. with Those stats, I mean, look, I'll be honest, those stats from Davies, their clean sheets to games ratio, that is phenomenal. If you went that out over a season, those are phenomenal statistics from Davies. And he has been really unfortunate. I do feel for him. But I think that, especially with how we play as well, Bursic, is the man this the year and he needs to keep that shit. We can't, you can't go dropping him when you're fifth in the league because, like I say, last season it was the right thing to do. This year, I think it'd just have such a detrimental effect on him because it's, it'd be like, well, oh, it's happened again. He's taking me out again. And I'd, yeah, I'm not sure that'd be the, the best thing to do uh, for the long term. No,
3: no, definitely not, mate. I think it's one of them. If he goes on another couple of games and he makes more mistakes that cost us matches. Hopefully, that doesn't happen. But he, to be fair, even if it doesn't cost us matches, if he makes a few kind of killer errors, then maybe it's time to to drop him. But yeah, I'm with you. Um, let's not let's not drop him already. It's it's very very harsh. At least then you know we've got Davis. We know at least we've got a good backup to come in. But yeah, it's it's certainly not justified either in my opinion. Um, I think the only I mean, things. Let's, are... let's
4: remember. Sure. Oh, so, sorry, I was going to say let's remember. It was only two or three weeks ago. He was put. He, he had a game at Fulham similar to what Davies did against Watford last night, and everyone was. And I, I know, he gave a penalty right but he then went and saved it, and he was pulling off, you know, save after save that day. And everybody was saying, you know, if it wasn't for him, the score could have been double figures. Yeah, but obviously things get forgetting quite quickly <laughs> when you start making errors, don't they?
3: Yeah, of course they do, mate. And that, as always, that is just fickle football fans. We've, you know, we've all been there. We've all done it. Every club's got got the same thing, and we all just... I think it was just one of them. We, we were expected to... We were expected to, to win them, to win those games, weren't we, against Derby? So, I, I get it, but, uh, yeah, definitely not the time to drop, and I think the only other thing I'd probably... Well, not the only thing, but I think one of the main things I'd mention as well, and I'm keen to get your thoughts on this, Dan, because the last few games, is it just me? And I don't want to be overly critical, because we've had a great start to the season, but has our defence looked a little bit more kind of suspect? I mean... Wilmot was looking a bit more shaky to me. Um, nothing major. I'm not going to say we look a disaster because we absolutely don't. But for me, we just look a little bit more unsure um, all of a sudden. I mean, I don't know if it's because, I don't know, the midfield's obviously been um, messed around a little bit. You know, Powell's dropped out and the Soyuz has come in and then Allen's come in. And it might just be a little bit of, you know, players not being familiar with each other. But it, am, I, am I just seeing something different? Or, or are you kind of seeing the similar thing to me?
4: No, I do have, I do have worries about, I mean, I think we spoke slightly about it last week, didn't we? Mm. But the, the re, do you know the main problem I think for Wilmot is I think he's naturally seems to play on the right, doesn't he? And he, when those first couple of games he played for us and in pre-season when he looked so good at carrying the ball and that seemed to be his natural game, he was playing on the right of a three. Obviously, Ostergaard has come in and taken that role. So he sort of... It's it's put Wilmot out on the left. And obviously, with him being a very good footballer, he is the best option to out of the three to put on the left. But I think also for him, he feels a lot less comfortable carrying that ball forward on the left-hand side than does on the right. So I think he's losing that game. Maybe he's becoming a bit unsure of himself. Right. I I think that's where it could be. Ideally, you know, you would have Morgan Fox or James Chester stepping up to take that role, but that's not, I don't don't see that happening, especially with the way James Chester played last night. I don't see him, you know, ever challenging to to play, you know, um, barring injuries and suspensions. Uh, I, I think he's, you know, well down the pecking order now, and obviously Morgan Fox is injured, but. I, even if he was fit, I don't, you know, he's got a long sort of way to to get back into the side. It, the only, the only player, the only centre half, like I say, I think who would could come in at the minute who's you know playing well enough in these cup games to say you know play me is probably Danny Bart. But yeah, the only the only player he'd be replacing is Harry Suter, and that ain't happening. So.
3: <laughs> no, I was going to say because I think have we even got a left-footed centre back? I'm trying to think. I swear Danny but, Barton, Chester are right-footed, aren't they? I, th-
4: thought, I, I Obviously, Morgan Fox. Morgan Fox is indeed. But um, I think... I thought Chester was left-footed.
3: You might be right, mate, to be honest. I, I, I can't really remember. But I, I'm with you, though. I, I mean, he Chester played on the wrong.
4: left last season. Yeah. Maybe that's the same reason with him, though. Maybe that's why. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, mate.
3: I think it's... It's, it's, it's Again, we don't to harp on too much about it, because you know we, we've still not had a, 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 bad, a bad season. I think the only thing which was a test for us, and I'm pretty sure you'd agree with this one, that I don't think... No, int scored a goal, um, but for me, it was a clear weakness um, at right wing-back against Derby. Uh, I mean, Dehaney again, we'll get on to Watford very shortly, and obviously we'll cover it only briefly, but uh actually looks like he had a really good performance against Watford uh, last night, so... Maybe it's time to bring him in and give him a chance because he's a little bit more natural. I think the one thing that bugs me, and he's always bugged me um, with 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 timing, and, and to be fair, Luke Shaw was the same in the World Cup. He's very one-footed. You know what he's going to do every single time. He, ha- he, he has to cut back in because he will not cross the borders right, which for a, obviously a right-sided uh, defender or wing-back is just... You know, you can't have that. You need to have more than just be a one-trick pony. So, I mean, for me, would you give to Haney um, a bit of a, a test out at the weekend?
4: Well, yeah, I mean, like you see with Tom Ince, I mean, the, when we said we could pinpoint where, where those um, derby goals came from, the first one was, was Tom Ince, wasn't he? He wasn't paying attention. You know, mm-hmm. Joe Bersick, um has, you know, collected the ball and he's looking to get us on, on a quick counter-attack. You know, again, that's the way we're playing now. We're trying to play with high pressure, high intensity, um, high pressing. So, you know, he's got the ball, you know, and he isn't taking his time, he isn't holding on for it five, six seconds, let everyone mooch around and get into where you know, into positions. He's looped, where's the outlet? How can we get the game going again? That's how we play. He's, you know, he's bowled his out to Ince on the wing and Ince is sort of, you know, in la-la land, looking around, not paying attention. It's gone out for a throw-in. Derby have took the throw-in, got the ball in the middle of the pitch and stuck it in the top corner. That yeah. all comes from Tom Ince not paying attention. If he, you know, if he's clued up and playing, you know, and, and he's switched on how, you know, how he should be and how, you know, the rest of the team are being geared to play then he collects that ball and he looks up and he sets us on a counter-attack and the ball that never gets the opportunity to be stuck in the top corner.
3: Yeah, and his application for Tommins has always been one thing that people have complained about. It's either he's not putting enough effort in or in this case, he's not even paying attention. Um, which, again, probably, I think he deserved a chance because I think he played quite well in the in the cup rounds. But um, yeah, for me, May, I think De Haney's not going to be shattered because he's only had one one match. You know, he, I don't think we've got any excuse not for him to play, you know, on Saturday. So, and you know, I, I'll please say that because you know me, if anyone's listened to the last few pods, um, the whole <laughs> Dehaney transfer, I was completely anti Dehaney. I think think it was, obviously it was a, a last minute signing just because we had no other better options. Um, and I wasn't looking for him to uh, to really play, but you can't, you can't deny when the guy plays well. So uh, yeah, he deserves his chance. Um, again, naturally right, right footed. We need that. We you know we need that have a play. So Let's see what kind of what happens this uh, this weekend with him. Hopefully, he does get the chance that, by the looks of it, he he deserves. And let's face it, maybe these cup games um, they're there for players to try and. Impress, um, and you know, again, we'll get on to Watford in a sec, but you know, they, they are very much there to try and impress. So, um, but one thing we did actually ask as well so we did the uh man of the match polls. You, anyone again who follow us on Twitter or on these knows we love a good poll, we've got about 20 of them tonight, it feels. So, um, yeah, so the man of match poll from Derby, and this was actually the closest one we've ran since the, the actual show. Uh, was uh, was set up. So uh, your options were Sawyers, Ince and uh, Vrancic and obviously as always the um, other option as well. Um, so uh, in very, very close third uh, was uh, Remain Sawyers who got 26%. Tom Ince uh, actually got 29% and then just slightly in head uh, was Mario Vrancic at 32%. Uh, 13% of other people went for other and I just say there. Anyone who goes for other, uh, I think I think that timer may have been mentioned as well, uh, Dan. I think it was, but
4: I think it was Powell Seamer. There's a few
3: others, wasn't there, I think, that that were mentioned. But I was just going to say, if if anyone... I mean, there's only a couple of comments off the back of that for others. So if you do have other um, as a selection, please do leave a comment so we know exactly what you think. But, um, yeah, so Mario, I think that's not the first time Mario's got man of the match, I don't think, and neither will it be the last. But um, I think that's probably a fair kind of reflection. Although, Ince, I don't know, maybe he's got that for his goal. But, yeah, I didn't think he particularly... Smashed it up, so um, you happy with that prediction, Dan? Pretty pretty reflective, I think.
4: Yeah, I I think think the fact that Rince was there sort of said Yeah, he scored his goal, and there wasn't many other standouts, was there? There wasn't really, Mm. you know, I think Sawyer's had a good first half an hour, maybe sort of dropped off a bit after Derby scored. Um, Franchich was just going around being Mario, wasn't he? You know, he was the the, sort of linchpin for anything going forward. Um, so yeah, obviously the int- reintroduction Nick Powell is probably the most positive thing of the day. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, Nick Powell was seen in the Stoke again.
3: Yeah, no, it's, it's always good to always to, it's good to see Nick Powell in there, mate. I'm sure he's going to pick up a few Man of the Match awards uh, this this summer and obviously this whole season. To be honest, I think it's, it's as you say, it's great to see him back, and we'll we'll talk about his situation shortly. But uh, let's move on to to Watford. So on obviously a more positive note. Um, I mean, for me personally, Dan, I thought, you know, again, from the looks of things, Danny Bath had, had a, a great performance, um, saved us on a couple of occasions. And considering the guys hardly kicked the ball this season, if at all, um, and obviously then versus a Premier League team, you can't really complain too much um, about his performance. And if anything, like you said, versus a, a Chester, um, night and day from from performance i mean the amount of times that, that Chester gave the ball away was scary and then and, you know again you're going to be punished most most of the time for that so we were lucky we weren't but um yeah danny bart was uh, a main kind of call out from me uh, i think again davis we, we can't we just mentioned him but uh, an absolute sublime game and you could understand why some fans obviously do want him in i think the important thing with i think with his performance is he kept us in the game at the right time. Yes, he made some saves over the course of the game, but I think when they, uh, obviously, they they obviously scored, uh, they could have easily gone 2-1 up, but again, cracking save uh, from Davis. And um, and also, you know, fair dues to to Sam Clucas as well, mate, because he came on as a sub. Was it about the 60th minute or something? There or thereabouts, Yeah, yeah, I've
4: just been a
3: little bit after that. A little bit after that. So, yeah, obviously, he's come on, and, you know, again, for me... Klukas has been a bit of a no-show this season. Um, not quite hit the ground running. I think it's just kind of floated through games for me. But, you know, Luke, he's turned up with a cracking goal. He's had a curler that's hit the crossbar. Um, you know, again, it just shows the guy has still got class and maybe he's just struggling to to kind of get up to speed. And then the last thing I'll probably mention off that one, and I'll let you uh, wrap it on, is uh, Jordan Timon. So um, (laughs) I I thought, uh, again, the guy is ridiculously good this season. I mean, I I just can't get over how good he really is. Um, And I must admit, I was going to say only only actually he knew whether it was a shot or a cross, um, but he's come out on his Twitter page to admit it was actually a cross, not a shot. So... um, Fair dues to him. You've got to claim that one. Uh, I don't think many people probably would have argued. And as long as it went in, who cares? And, and, and the thing for me is people making a big deal about whether was a cross or a shot. But at the end of the day, if the guy isn't in that position, regardless of it's a cross or a shot, we don't score the goal. So good on him for getting in the positions and carrying on. Um, and he's easily, so far, my man of the, man of the season so far. So, um, yeah, a, a lot of positives to pull out of that game last night, mate.
4: Yeah, I mean, it was like yeah, you know we, we went one nil up, didn't we? And I'd say Nick Powell just uh, you know, getting <laughs> getting the goal on his on his, uh, big first start back, which is obviously hopefully just sort of boost his confidence, but, you know, let him kick kickstart back into the groove of things. And um, like you say, Sam Clucas as well. It's funny because like you say about Sam Clucas, not really doing much this season. I mean, League and Cup. We've played eleven games, and the only one San Lucas hasn't played, hasn't taken a part in, is the first game of the season. He's had seven starts, three subs, and he's done very, and he has done very little really. We so look at that, and I was quite surprised really. I thought because he's been that anonymous, which is sort of unlike Lucas. I, I think we missed him last season. I think he he was you know it's him and Tyrese that we really missed going forward. And he seems to like... I, I, I like how he, he takes the ball off the defence and he'd sort of play it in the midfield. Then he'd carry on a run. He'd link the play up, do you know what I mean, in the midfield. He was ve- quite vital to that. Um, and I think we really missed that. But he's not getting involved this season, whether it's the change of style, change of formation. It's not getting the best out of him, I don't know. But, um, yeah, hopefully maybe that goal... You know, our footballers are maybe a goal that goal last night. He'll just you know pick himself up now. And he, you know, he's, he's, he looks up and picks his head up a bit and then becomes a better you know picks his form up, and becomes a better footballer for it. Um, time will tell on that one, I suppose. But yes, it was, yeah, it was all positives. Um, I say, Surridge and Brown got another game together as well. Uh, game against obviously Premier League. I know they made eleven changes, but it's still a Premier League team at the end of the day, well, aren't they? They're all registered Premier League. We made players.
3: Eight, We made eight changes. So,
4: yeah, <laughs> that's it. I mean, I think another another big positive for me again was Alfie Doughty. And I think he's. I think he's he, every every game he plays, he's got such. He just he seems to show such tenacity, and fight. And with his pace and his drive and his willingness to run at people and take people on, I, think I can't wait. It's one of them ones where I can't wait for him to get in the team. But at the minute, there's a, he's, he's just really unfortunate that Josh Time is there because I, there's no way he's getting on of the first 11. He's, he's the ball. I used to say he's probably the best player of the season so far. It's just, yeah. just unfortunate that they both play in the same position. I think but the only way... One of them another role.
3: The only way he gets in this team, mate, is if we go four four two and then one plays left w- left back and one plays uh, left midfield. I think that's probably the only way that both of them get in there, but I don't see what scenario we would we would switch to a four four two.
4: If we do that, there'll be a few right backs on the opposition feeling their hamstring on a Friday afternoon. <laughs> oh.
3: oh the pace would be insane, wouldn't it? Yeah.
4: I can't can't oh sorry boss, can't play tomorrow. My hamstring's a bit tired. Get the get the other guy in. <laughs>
3: And it's funny, you should actually mention uh, Tymon. Again, uh, one of the uh, goal of the season polls that are put out there. And I'm actually surprised at the uh, results with, with, with this kind of large, to be honest. So um, I mentioned about Tymon uh, being kind of uh, the the preferred goal. So we had Tymon versus Forrest and then Tymon's goal versus Watford. Um, so funny enough, Forrest, actually, I'm not going to tell you. What, what do you think the result would have been? I'm going to ask you first, actually.
4: I actually voted for the Forest goal myself. I much prefer that one. Um, I can only think of recency bias why Watford goal might get it, (laughs) especially with it being called out a fluke by by the man himself. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I I know.
3: I I suppose yeah, you've got to go for one which was actually intentional, haven't you? Um, So uh, yeah, so I think Forest uh, goal was seventy-five percent. Versus the Watford one at 25%. So, uh, yeah, it was clear as day. Um, It was about 73, I think, uh, people voted on that. So, we're decent enough benchmark. But, uh, yeah, so overall, mate, um, a really good game. And before we kind of move on to um, the Stokes' news this week, uh, any particular players forced the hand of the manager? Anyone you think he will bring immediately into the team? Or do you think there's still a little bit of work to do to, to kind of displace some of those first 11?
4: yeah it'd be interesting whether like I say it's sort of the game at Derby last week does uh, put a, put the heat on a few of them maybe um I think Nick powell it depends physically where he's at, but he may come in for well he could come in for anybody couldn't he really <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. whether he go whether he comes in to give Mario a rest or whether he goes with him and Mario. Uh, and tries to you know win the game early against Hull. We we shall see. Uh, I think Dehaney's definitely thrown his sort of you know his uh, hat in the ring kind of things to, to take on the right wing back role. Um, and Smiths what well, with Smith's last game? Uh, but I do think that Tommy Smith will be coming in um, obviously as soon as he's available. Uh, but I think yeah, De Haney's definitely definitely giving in to a run for his money for Saturday. Other yeah. than that, other than that, no, not really. I think I think we mentioned we have covered the goalkeeper situation and we we've said our thoughts on that. Um, strikers, yes, yeah, so I suppose you could say up front, couldn't you? I mean, I don't, I don't know. Who you feel she'll be starting up front on um, especially with those two getting a full game in, of um, in midweek or like the majority of the game in midweek. Do we do we go for the fresher legs? Of
3: a uh, Seema, Seema, or not? Um, I mean, personally for me, I think Jacob Brown's got to start. The guy again, when he came on against Watford, he was he, he was busy. You know, I think he laid the ball off uh, for for to score his goal and and bits like that. So for me, Brown's definitely got to come back in, and I think that's why Brown didn't start the match. To be honest, uh, gives him a bit of a break, and he just came on to to help finish the game off. Um, Seema. It's just tricky. I, I like I like Surridge. I do like him a lot. He's got he seems to be in a situation where he likes to just be in the right place at the right time. And obviously, good strikers do that. Um, has he done enough to displace Surridge? Probably not. I think Seamus is still finding his feet. So no, I'm going to go Surridge and Brown. Um, to be honest, mate, I, I think I don't think we can do anything else. Uh, I guess uh, the kind of question is in this brings me very nicely onto the Stoke City news, Tyrese Campbell. Um, We've mentioned him a couple of times in recent weeks and uh, for obvious reasons. Um, So, Tyrese obviously stepped up his recovery and obviously chipped in with a goal in the under-23s again. um, So, I guess the question is, he's clearly building his fitness up. He's had two games now. What do you think, Dan? I mean, would you bring him Back in, would you put him on I I don't think starting is probably a bit much but would you put him on the bench for for Hull or would you maybe wait a bit and I don't know maybe Preston or West Brom in a few weeks
4: Well he hasn't obviously played Monday didn't he and then he's played the following Monday so he's had two games there seven days apart and the first game he asked for extra minutes because he felt that well and the second game uh, he's played near enough, you know, all the way through nearly. So he's obviously, you know, he's obviously feeling well. He's feeling strong. He's got that goal, which was something we said last week, wasn't it? That we, you know, do we leave him in the under 23s a couple of extra games to you know find his rhythm, find his find his goal scoring boots, so he comes back to the first team confident. It sounds to me like he's Chomping at a bit to get back in the in the uh, first team fold. All I will say is, there's an under twenty three game on Monday. They've got Aston Villa on Monday. Is he better off just, you know, scrapping, knocking Saturday on the head? We've got three strikers available as it is, and then you know, going going for a full ninety against Villa on on uh, Monday. Or, alternatively, there is another under-23 game next Friday. We've got Southampton away. So, again, could he actually not Monday on the head, play with the first team Saturday, you know, be on the bench, come on for the last 10 minutes or so, see where he feels, see where he feels, you know, obviously I suppose it depends on the result, doesn't it, if we are, if we, you know, 2-1 up or something and it's a you know, we're not going to risk that just to give Tyrese a few minutes. But if the game's won, if you know, if 2 0 up, 3 0 up, or obviously if it's one, 1 all and we're chasing a goal, then he's, he'd be perfect <laughs> for one yeah. on. But, um, but yeah, if the opportunity arises where we can give him a few minutes and he can go on and he can just have a feel how you know, where, where are you up to? Are you sharp? And then obviously he can go away probably not Monday on the head, do a bit of rehab through the week, bit of work, and then, you know, next Friday, have a full 90, with are doing the 23s, with with it in the, in his safe and the knowledge of where he's up to currently.
3: Yeah, fair enough. Again, like you say, mate, we've got three strikers fit and ready to go, and not particularly playing all all badly, really. I think, again, obviously we take Tyrese and, sorry, not Tyrese, uh Jacob and uh, obviously Sam. They're doing perfectly fine. Seymour, as I said, is still trying to find his feet, but is showing some good kind of you know pace and, and trickery at times as well. So it'd be interesting to see there. But like you said, mate, there's no point in rushing Tyrese back. We've got plenty of opportunity to to bed him in. Uh, I, I mean, me personally, I just bring him in um, against probably Preston. Personally, I think that's probably a, a good one for him. But time will tell, I guess. Um, and another kind of uh, highlight from from the week obviously tommy smith as we all know got sent off and we appealed his red card obviously got turned down um tricky one i can kind of see both sides of the coin here mate for me in terms of it wasn't really very forceful he didn't really even touch the player to be honest i think it was a slight nick in this day and age i suppose is a red card but um quite ridiculous to think that that is really a red card. Um, I mean, you can forgive a referee in the heat of the match, but afterwards to still with, upheld that? I don't know, mate. I mean, what do you think on that? Because me personally, again, as you can kind to of tell, I think it was a bit harsh.
4: Yeah, I mean, Tommy Smith, what were you doing there? I mean, when you have made that tackle, why didn't you stop dead as soon as you won the ball? How dare you follow through like that? I know. <laughs> What's he supposed to do? Come on. You, 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 if you're out, if you're making those red cards and you're outlawing tackles, aren't you? Mm-hmm. The, the, the slide tackle has become outlawed if that's a foul. And we've seen these red cards given, and you shake your head. And now it's happened, you know, to one of our own players. And I mean, it's just so frustrating because it's part of the game. The ball is loose. You you, you can't go oh after you, sir. You get it, it's your ball. No, you've got to go and try and win it, and as long as you're not dangerous, it, you know he, he's gone in. He, he studs it down. He's he's got one year. You know, he's he's sliding along the floor. He's in full control, in essence of of his his direction where it. But it is he is going to have a slight follow through. You know that that's just the way the game is. There's there's all it's always been played like that. And do you know what injuries happen in football? doesn't matter how, how you change the rules and the laws to protect players, they will always get injured. There will always be injuries. And if that's what they're aiming to achieve, a game where everyone can play and nobody gets hurt, it's impossible. It's just impossible. Because even the most well-thought-out and you know, well-managed tackle can still can still injure somebody.
3: Of course you did. Well, I'll let, tell you what, let's, let's bring it up. Aaron Ramsey, we all know about that tackle. We've all seen it a thousand times, yeah. and we all, any any Stoke fan, and obviously the Arsenal fans are blinkered, they're going to say this, but I suppose you could say the flip side, Stoke, Stoke fans are going to say this, but Aaron Ramsey broke his ankle before Shawcross ever even touched him. So, you know, again, same scenario there. You're never going to be able to stop stuff like that. Freak accidents happen. Obviously, Shawcross's impact with him afterwards didn't exactly help. But he didn't cause that, you know. Ramsey had already done his legs, so it's it's one of them. Yeah. I, I, as you said, mate, you can't you can't outlaw tackling. You can't. I mean, let's face it. If Tommy Smith pulls out of a tackle there. Uh... People are going to be on his back. Why have you pulled out of a tackle? O'Neill probably say, Why have you pulled out the tackle? Yeah, you can't. Again, you can't win, mate. You really can't. So, yeah, it shouldn't have been done. And it's sod's law that it's the blinking right back position, which we actually have very (laughs) little cover for. It could have happened any other position and we would have been fine. But no, it has to be the right wing back. So, you know what? If anything, Tommy Smith has put some really serious yards on recently. If anything, it gives him a break, I suppose. It really means he's going to come back super fit. So um, just, let's just hope he hasn't lost his momentum and he, you know, he's, he still comes back um, you know, roaring and, and ready to go. So
4: Yeah, I mean, yeah. the unfortunate thing for Tommy Smith they, with that instance is what happens, what happens to him the next time that ball's there to be won? Does he then think, well, can't I can't go win that?
3: <laughs> no, you, you've got to. You've, it's a bit like injuries with players, like with Tyrese when he comes back. Any time there's a tackle, does he pull out? you don't do you that's not football so no for me mate he's got to just go back in and treat it exactly what it is if he gets sent off again then you know what so 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 whatever he has to get it sent off but no as you said mate you can't change the game that's that's not football um and i guess in terms of anything else i wanted to to mention from this week i've actually got a few notes here mate so uh in terms of supporters council minutes so as, as we kind of touched on last week you know we did the supporters council there was quite a lot of notes that came from uh, the kind of session as well um, so uh, did you have much chance to look at that I know you said you were going to look at um, the supporters minutes but did you have much chance
4: I did Now, one thing uh, obviously I suppose to people who've seen them that there's the one thing I thought was nice touch was the charity stuff and obviously making sure that um, we can you know, look at other ways to make sure that those charities still get the opportunity to raise funds around our games and stuff and maybe put it into like a ticketing issue and obviously we've, the, the club have said they're sort of recognising that there's all the Sporters council sort of recognising that we are living in more of a cashless society so yeah. if you're standing there with a bucket you're trying to raise funds that's going to be that's obviously going to contribute you it's going to be a lot more difficult to do that if people aren't carrying cash um, so to say that you know that they'll maybe they look at ways of putting into the ticketing where you can you know top up the amount, round it off maybe, and then give the you know the, the amount you're rounding it off to to charity. I thought that was a nice a nice gesture and something that maybe could easily have been you know bypassed or forgotten about. Yeah. Know, otherwise, because obviously, yeah, especially these charities would have had such a hard time during COVID, because none of that stuff's been able to happen, has it? They haven't been able to get out and. You know, and, you know, check the bucket and then raise some funds that they muchly need.
3: No, of course not, man. And like you say, I mean, I'm sure they don't even take very much to charity buckets these days. I mean, I think even people that carry cash with them, I mean, let's be honest, I mean, I know a lot of people who I've been with who've got cash on them and have never actually put money in. But like you said, it's if you're going online and your tickets, I don't know, 28 quid or 26 quid and then plus a booking fee, which obviously is a pound, um, you know, a lot of people would just easily just say, you know, round up, tick this box, done. And yeah, you know, it'd be interesting to see how much that would raise. So I know the club are going to look into it. They're going to see how feasible it is. Uh, it's not just a simple thing that they can just create a box to their own developers, tick a box, and it's done. Obviously, there's you know there's, there's providers that sort out the actual ticketing system that they need to to touch base with. So um, the next meeting's in November the 20th. So uh, we'll obviously be uh, interested to see exactly, you know, how they how they go about that, um, and I think you know the only one thing I've I've kind of learned as well off the back of these the the, the minutes that go out. Um, I want to be careful. I would say this: so everyone's got their own opinion. I totally get that, but when. I saw some comments that Supporters Council tweeted out and there was comments from people and then the, the, the good old oat cake with, you know, all the uh, the very well knowledgeable people that you see on there, um, you know, it, that, some comments coming off the back of it saying, oh, you know, uh, I don't know just criticising things were sent in, that were said in there, criticising people's appearances um, and stuff like that. I mean, oh, crying out loud, it ju- it's just so infuriating, mate, with so much bigger issues Going on in the world, and these people who complain, they haven't got alternative options, they just like to moan about the option that isn't, you know, the choice or whatever has been discussed. They haven't got an alternative opinion, they just want to moan. Um, so also, I'd say, is if you are one of those people who are moaning about whatever the sports council have or haven't mentioned or haven't come up with a suggestion, please give the suggestion. You know, we, we aren't miracle workers, we can't read minds, so if there's something on there, please do speak up. Again, we always discuss things. And we're going again on the as I said, the November 20th, which means about a week to 10 days before that, we'll have a pre meeting to discuss all the kind of things we're going to bring forward to, the, to that meeting. So um, again, you've got your opportunity, speak up. Um, if you don't speak up, you're not going to write to complain, I'm afraid. I mean, th- that's my opinion. I'm not speaking for the council, but that's my opinion. You, you can't complain if-, if you're not going to speak up
4: it's the easiest thing in the world to discredit somebody else's work isn't it it's it's easy to do that it's easy to put other people down but when you actually turn around and say okay well what's your better option then what okay you're not going to do that but what, what are you what do you think should be done that's when it all goes quiet and that's when you know yeah, not everybody. Yeah, people. Some people will have ideas, and like you just said, there, you, you. That's what you want. You want them to come forward with them. So yeah, people need to. Um, the other thing I will point out is funny. You should. Make, I was have got it written down here, and it's funny you mentioned it in there. Is that pound booking fee? That that really annoys me. <laughs> mm. That one pound per ticket booking fee really. I don't care if you upgrade your system. Stoke, so I, I don't want to be paid a pound every time we could take it. And then just say, "Oh well, yeah, if you if you want to discredit um, and you know and discourage people from using online, so we're going to charge you if you come to the ticket office as well." No, no, that's no, no, thank you. <laughs> I, think, yeah. I don't know. I'm just yeah. You know, when you if you go with. I say again, when we were talking about football and uh, prices for families and stuff, all of a sudden, you know, a couple of adults, you know, three kids, that's a fiver added onto your ticket prices for what? For nothing? For clicking a few buttons? I don't think yeah. so. No, <laughs> not happy.
3: Yeah, I mean, I suppose the clubs, I don't know, I don't know, it wasn't really said, but I suppose they're. Justification, a bit like I think there are you know, there's other clubs across the the championship that do the same thing. I think, but um, I think they they would say you know like a Ticketmaster if you're buying a ticket to I don't know a show for Ed Sheeran or whatever it may be you know, yeah. you know Ticketmaster charge a fee and they will say that that's to cover their admin costs and that's to cover their. Booking fee that they no doubt have to pay to MasterCard or Visa or whatever it is. I suppose the club could very well turn around and say, well, look, we have to pay these fees, so we we, we pass it on. Um, could they waive them? I guess any club could say, yeah, you could waive them. Um, but, again, it's, we all, it's, we all it's know a personal though,
4: don't we that Yeah, we all know, though, don't we, that big football fans, it's different. It's yeah, yeah, I say you might have people who, like, you know, go to Ed Sheeran concerts and stuff and but they've got no affiliation to that venue as such, or mm. you know so it's different with football and then the fans, isn't it? It's yeah. like you know they aren't gonna go they aren't gonna go to an Ed Sheeran concert at the the Manchester arena every other Saturday <laughs> twenty times a year are they?
3: No, no, I, I get it, mate. It'd be interesting to see if, you know, if, if that stays or if that goes in the long term. I, I, I'm sure there's absolutely no plans at all to get rid of it. Um, and yeah, I think we all have to just accept that for now and, and see if it, see if it disappears in the future. Um, and the kind of next one I wanted to cover, and I've put this on my notes, Dan, as Dan is Mr. Stato. So that's going to be <laughs> your, your, um, your nickname in, in terms of that guys, where that's come from. So, Dan and me, obviously, we do a lot of planning for this show. We do a lot of kind of checking of stats and various different things. And Dan sent some really interesting screenshots in the group chat that we've got yesterday. Um, and that's when I, I, I christened you, Mister Stato. So, Dan, do you want to tell everyone what you've been up to, what trackers you've got, and how anal you are about all these uh, all these figures, mate?
4: <laughs> right. So, I like numbers. I'm quite, I'm quite sad. I like numbers. I like stats. <laughs> So I've got started doing. I, I did it. I had right. I started doing this nearly twenty years ago, and then all my information got lost on a laptop that broke, and I hadn't got it back up because I'm an idiot. Rookie. <laughs> yeah, not going to happen again. So I decided this week I'm going to start. You know, start with the current day and then work backwards for a few years because as many you know, 10, 15 seasons maybe, in time um so what i've got i've got a different sheet for points per game uh position in the league after each game home record against each team away record against each team and attendance at home against each side uh, i managed to get, obviously this this season was easy enough to do and i managed to get uh, all of last last season done as well uh before this before we recorded this and obviously i'll you know as and when I've got a bit of time and stuff, I will, uh, you know, try and try and add more and more to it. Obviously, the more and more do then we've got a better um, sort of statistical record to sort of just look at and sort of pick out a few interesting stats maybe for for you guys. Um, so uh, cause I don't know, you yeah. know, not it's not everybody's cup of tea statistics, but there are people out there who who like a quirky stat. Every now and again, so yeah, like I say It's very much in its infancy at the minute Um, But what we can say Is That Let's see Yes, so looking at these stats that I've got so far Like I say, very much in their infancy We are two points Better off than last season After eight games In the league, and we are four places Better off than we were At this stage last season However, if we go corresponding fixtures, we're actually seven points better off. Um, but that's discounting Fulham because obviously they weren't in the championship last year. So from the other seven games we've played, we're actually seven points better off already, which is uh, quite an achievement, really. And you think that these are games we struggled in last season, and we're picking we seem to be picking you know points up on a regular basis so far. So you know, what's going to happen when we play the teams that we were beating last season? Are we going to, you know, if we can match those results, then we're going to be in a really good position going forward.
3: Yeah, interesting. So in terms of that then, so if you can strictly say that we're going to be very, based on that, and I know it's very early days, but from from my maths is correct, so we should be there or thereabouts for the playoffs based on those figures if we keep that up over the course of a season, or I could be reading a bit too much into that, but, um, well, I mean, we should be there or thereabouts anyway, but hopefully then we get even more points along the way, mate. Cause I think I don't, I don't want us just to be flirting with sixth. I want us to be uh, a lot higher than that. So as I say that's really fascinating. You should, you should get them stats. And I'm really keen to see kind of where that pans out over the course of the season. And, um, I, I love the, 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 bits that you've done, mate. So I'm sure myself and everybody else is really looking forward to to seeing that, mate.
4: Yeah, I mean, I'm going. To, I'm going to. Uh, I think the the nice comparison would be to see where we are in relation to where we were in 07-08, when obviously we ended up finishing second. Um, but to to it would be easy for me to skip straight to that season and just put them in. But uh, yeah, to keep myself motivated to get there, I think I'm going to uh, do it in. in like I could say going back season by season. And then that'll, uh, that'll make sure that I'm filling all the gaps in between as well in <laughs> good time. Yeah.
3: Yeah, no, brilliant, mate. Thank thank you for, for that. And I'm sure you'll tweet out some of that info as well, because I thought that was quite fascinating. I didn't realise how uh, how far ahead we were from, from last season. So um, perfect. And then that takes us on to the next section, which is uh, safe standing. So that's obviously come out, I think, was it today or yesterday um, in, in the in the press to say that I think first of January. Uh, we're going to have safe standing. So there's another thing to bring up in the uh, the supporters council in November to see exactly what the club's plans are on that front. But um, again, mate, safe standing. I mean, I don't know about you. I know away games, I actually quite like standing up. Um, Sometimes you don't have a choice because everyone in front of you stands up. So it's your only chance anyway. But I mean, me personally, (sighs) home games, I mean, actually I'll, I'll reverse that. So if you've got the choice of sitting down or standing up, if it was just you, mate, because I know you take you know little and stuff over. But if not, would you stand or would you sit if you had the choice?
4: Now, I like yourself, like say so you go away. I like to stand, like say when you go away games. But also, having taken my young daughter, daughters and stuff as well, and taken them to away games, I've sort of seen how sort of. I don't know, demoralising for them that they can't see a thing <laughs> mm. and that that would be my worry with that but I think if you do it in certain areas and the positive of this comes now is that everyone gets a choice people have got a choice where they can go you can have a sitting section or you've got a safe standing section if you go in the safe standing section you know what you're getting yourself in for there's going to be a lot of standing so like say, it only it can only improve things because at the minute there are people who would like to stand. Uh, probably, if I was going alone, I'd probably I'd probably like to stand and get in there as well. Um, but at the minute, those people can't stand; they haven't got an area where they can stand, so they've been forced to sit. So the fact that this now brings in, like you say, a choice, is only a positive for me. I think because anything that enhances people's options, and and gives people more like the opportunity to decide what they want to do, fairly and legally within the ground, then that can only be a positive.
3: I think I'm intrigued to see exactly which areas of the the stadium that the club feel they could could accommodate that. I think the obvious places are the, uh, well... I suppose the the corner by I think it's is it the guy I always call them McEwan's. It's not, is it? Um, so yeah, I think Q Railing is what it's called, isn't it? Now I think so. I think obviously there's that corner there where is always pretty much empty. I suppose they could do that. Uh, you've got obviously where the family stand area is. Obviously that corner seems to be empty most of the time as well. So I think those are some of the the obvious areas that you could do. But I suppose the latter you probably wouldn't want people there because if it is connected to the family area and the bits like that you don't want people standing up and um, and that spreading further out than you actually want it to so for me yeah i think it's where all the the, the free seats or the cheap seats typically go i actually so i would expect that they may can kind of consider that area but i mean feel free to interrupt me if you think there's somewhere else better but I, I i don't know i don't know what the criteria will be must be a health and safety criteria that they're going to have to consider so i don't know
4: i I wonder if it'll be like the bottom section of the like you know when you come out of the um the concourse in the say the end, and you can go up or down i wonder if anything below the concourse they maybe will do it there
3: but all the way around the stadium though because for me that that's forcing the people who don't want to stand. no no
4: just no just just in the booth and just behind the goal
3: just in the booth and put end. It off, okay. put it
4: off when you get to the corner yeah okay
3: yeah i mean i can see that i mean again yeah i suppose booth and ends probably as good a place as any but it'd be very interesting to see what what the club's stance is on that um and i'm sure that'll be in the minutes i, I can't see the the, you know, the council not wanting to discuss it i'm not I want to speak for them again, but I'd imagine it's going to be a hot topic um, when we see. So brilliant. And then um, just the last couple of things. So uh, Nick Powell's contract. Um, obviously, it's something that we've all wanted for, for quite some time. And obviously, we all know we really need to tie him down. Uh, you know, he's his record is, is brilliant. Um, and uh, obviously, later on, we've actually got the quiz and it is a Nick Powell quiz. So, um, yeah, you might want to prepare yourself for that, Dan. But um, so somebody was tweeting the official club uh, page only yesterday, I think it was. And they asked a direct question that they said it's day 60 of them tweeting the actual uh, Stoke page. And they're (laughs) going to keep doing it until Nick signs a new contract. Um, And it looks like the first time he's actually liked that particular post. Now, obviously, this is us literally grasping at the... Yeah, you know, as many straws as we possibly can, but the fact that he's liked it either means that he wants to sign or he's about to sign in my eyes, and I'm not going to accept any other answer than that. Um, so would you probably agree that of all the players you've got out of contract coming up next year, which is actually quite a few, um, is he the number one priority? Do you think, Dan?
4: Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. If we if we sign nobody in January but we give Nick Powell a new contract, uh, that that'd be the perfect window. <laughs> <laughs> he needs, yeah. to, they need to get it done. That needs to be the priority. Number one. Um, yeah, put that on your supporter council notes. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're all, we're all going to stop going until he's signed a contract.
4: Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. all, all going to stop going. We're going to look the other way at matches. We're going to face back to the crown until he's got a new contract. No, he's, he is. Um he's he's become vital to this team and he's such a lovely player to watch as well. He's got such you know, such an imaginative um footballing brain. He he, he I'd be so sort of, I think he's I'd be devastated if he left Stone now, to be honest. So say on a free He just um mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, but Again, at the same time, you know, when you when you hear that, I think there was rumours Newcastle were in for him last season and it doesn't surprise you, doesn't surprise you at all, does it, that, that, you know, there'd be interest from Premier League sides and that.
3: No, I don't, I don't know. I think he's really enjoying his time at Stoke, isn't he, to be honest. I mean, I know... I'm I'm not going to say that because it's going to give one of the answers to the uh, the quiz away so I'm gonna, I'm going to I'm going to hold my breath there actually but yeah I, I, I go agree go on, with you on. mate <laughs> no I'm not I'm not going to say it you can't cheat you're not cheating um so anyway yeah so yeah again for me mate definitely sign him up I agree with you if any signings in January other than a new right wing back Um, Then, yeah, I'll take uh, Nick Powell every day of the week. Um, And uh, just before we kind of move on to the whole game, uh, we've uh, had some very uh, nice audio in from, uh, from a chap called Matthew. So he's a Stoke City fan from America. Uh, as always, we like to do the loan views wherever we can for anyone who's out. And speaking of right wing back, uh, the man he's going to be covering who is seen in person is uh, a Mr. Tom Edwards, who uh, many Stoke fans will know uh, was very much a, a kind of homegrown player, someone we really wanted to kind of see come through. Um, and he's kind of obviously gone abroad to, uh, I think it was the MLS, I think now, isn't it? So, um, yeah, so let's see exactly what uh, Matthew had to say. And fingers crossed, we'll see Tom back. Uh, in january
5: hey guys map Stofan fan resident mls expert so i've been trying to pay close attention to tom edwards loan with uh, red bull new york and uh it's gone off pretty well i'd say he started 18 of 19 games he's been available for the only one he missed was due to yellow card accumulation Uh, He's played multiple positions for them, uh, but mainly he's, you know, at right back or left back depending on their needs. But I think the most interesting is he started sort of as like a defensive midfielder uh, in front of the back four. So almost as part of the back line, but playing just slightly up in front of them. Uh, He's been heavily involved in their attack as well, which I think has been really fun and interesting to watch. Uh, You know, he's taken a lot of their corner kicks and free kicks. Uh, He you know, is running down that, that flank, whichever side that he's on, uh, for that particular game, and, you know, he's really being utilized, and, uh, they seem to really like his serviceability, uh, you know, putting balls into the box for their larger, uh, strikers to get their heads on, and things like that, so, um you know and just sort of outside of the field he's clearly well liked by the team and by the fans he's regularly a focus on their social media pages and their twitter accounts and things like that so he definitely seems to be making the most of this this loan spell i think uh you know more teams should keep an eye on loaning players to mls the the great thing about it is is it's a very very physical league so it's similar to the championship in that sense it obviously doesn't have the quality um but the physicality is definitely there and something that players can get accustomed to as well as the quality of players you'd go up against you know every team almost throughout the entire league has a Carlos Vela for example or a Carlos Heel on my New England Revolution um, just guys that are really high, like a higher level talent that you can play against and, and, you know, try, um, try different things against and really test your grid against. So, um, yeah, happy to report back on Tom Edwards happy to report back on any, you know, player from MLS that uh, we're looking at. And, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Matty Pagliese. That's M-A-T-T-Y-P-U-G-L-I-S-E. Thanks for having me on guys.
3: Lovely. Thanks very much, Matthew. Much appreciate uh, the overview there, mate. So, yeah, as I say, fingers crossed we'll see Tom Edwards uh, return to Stoke, because I think he could be the answer uh, to that right-wing-back position. Obviously, if Tom even wants to come back, you never really know. So, so Dan, hot off the press, mate. Literally, this minute just landed into um, Twitter. Uh, So, the government will ban all gambling firms from sponsoring the front of football shirts. So... Considering we have Bet365 all over ours, um, so what's going to happen then? Are we just going to have a blank space or the red and white stripes just going to go through or are we going to find some other sponsor to put on the front? That's interesting.
4: Yeah. um, I mean, we're not the only club who's affected, are we? Um, I think... There's a, I mean, how many clubs are how many clubs have we got sponsors on there now? I mean, there's West Ham, isn't there? They've got Betway, but then they just. I think. I mean, we played Watford last night, is it? Because I remember the first time I saw their and I thought it said Stoke. It says <laughs> it's Steak or something. steak.com dot com. So they're going to be a betting company. But I think there's there's quite a lot, and they seem to be like a um, lot like maybe like Asian, like sort of Chinese betting sites. Maybe that's what's caused this sort of ruling to be pushed through maybe is um, you know they don't know sort of the background to a lot of these betting sites or maybe they don't have control over them that's probably maybe more the issue with the government yeah i think it's um, interesting i'm
3: just looking at some of the the comments here and i'll just I'll, this is literally i say this only just happened so i've not screened any of these but um so first comment from somebody called chris um good it ruins lives uh, next one from Stoke Hub. So from how many betting adverts I've seen on Sky Sports alone and the fact that leagues are sponsored by Skybet, I don't think banning shirt sponsors will do much. Um, <laughs> what are the odds on that happening? <laughs> like it, Cheers, mm. James. <laughs> um, do you think it'll make any difference, Dan? I mean, we're all sort I of mean, Christ. Look around the stadium. How many sponsored betting companies? I mean, you got you got Bet365, obviously all over ours. But every stadium... You watched a match this weekend. How many betting companies are you going to see plastered all over the well, place?
4: I mean, I mean, it says, it says here, I've just got it up here on the day... Well, see. It says a ban on betting advertising on pitch side hoardings and TV commercials is also oh. under consideration, but less likely currently.
3: I was going to say, mate, that would be concerning, because obviously that is a massive income stream for for clubs for a start. You know, Bet365 paying. Uh, for, I don't mean, use Bet365 for obvious reasons, but obviously they have their name all over globally, all over the stadiums. Um, you know, you see it next to, to football goals and um, literally everywhere, don't you? So, I mean, I think if you look at it from Denise's coat's perspective, she probably doesn't care too much about Stoke City, the club other than the fact that it probably makes her company bet 365 a lot of money or gives her exposure. So if you take away that, I mean, she probably will not be very interested at all in that scenario, but um, it's got bigger ramifications than just not having it on a shirt. If that starts to happen around, around every, every division.
4: Yeah. I mean, well, listen to this stat. Nine of the 20 premier league clubs have gambling companies on their shirts sponsors, the front main front shirt sponsor. And six teams in the championship, including, unfortunately, Derby County. Poor Derby having no luck at the minutes, are they? No. <laughs>
3: um,
4: but also, oh, there's only one club in the Premier League that doesn't have an official betting partner. And 15 championship sides do as well. So you imagine mm. that's 34 out of 44 clubs in the top two divisions. Are probably going to lose that. You'd imagine, wouldn't you? If the you know, because if this is probably on with the start, isn't it that the the, um, the shirt sort of the shirt sponsor is the is the beginning, and then like I say, they'll eventually move into getting rid of all, all other the kinds of betting uh, advertisements around the grounds and and match day.
3: Yeah, I don't, I don't know, mate. I think... I really, I really doubt whether it's going to make a blind bit of difference. I mean, th- there's there's too much all over the place. I know they probably want to be seen to be doing a good job and trying to see to make a difference, but I agree with some of these comments, mate. And again, it's literally that new. There isn't actually all that many comments, but um, I think the, the Ruins Live situation, it's one of them... I mean, let's not get too kind of deep into this right now, but, you know, some people say, you know, well... We shouldn't advertise, I don't know, beer companies because beer ruins lives. I'm like, it's not the actual product itself, though, is it? It's the, it's obviously the people that can be influenced by that. Um, and, you know, we've all got our own vices and we all, you know, some people drink a lot, some people gamble a lot. Um, everyone's kind of got their own different things. I don't think the actual, I don't know, it's, it's a controversial subject, I suppose. I, I don't think the actual subject itself really is, the issue so it's not you're not going to get rid of all betting companies or all you know christ cigarettes how many years have they been bad for people but they they're still around because again it money keeps the wheels turning so it's a controversial subject mate but is is really getting rid of that the answer or is it education um and educating people better is the answer i don't know
4: yeah i mean you say cigarettes there i mean what was it it was the start of the century wasn't it that that's you know, tobacco advertising was banned. And, I mean, not so much in football, I don't think. I mean, maybe that's, you know, gambling sort of took up the void left by tobacco advertising in football. But you look at, a, uh, you could say cricket, for example, you always had like, the Benson and Hedges trophy was which was, you know, quite prestigious uh, for, a, for a long time. But, you know, with, with, with the lack of sponsorship with that, it obviously becomes less reward for winning it and sort of devalues the competition as, as a whole or makes it less in, less important to win. And obviously what you don't want is for that, this to then sort of affect football in that way. But, and so, you know, like you say, it depends what they actually feel that this, what impact this decision would have. You know, is it actually going to stop people from from gambling, the fact
3: that they don't see it on shirts. Uh, my answer to that is simply no, no way. It's it, it's too mainstream. Uh, I, again, well, banning sugary sweets adverts on on advert on on TV is that going to stop people eating sugary sweets? No. Um, I don't know, mate. Again, for me, it's education. I'll tell my son again. Let's use that that example. I will tell my son. You know Luke not too many sweets because it's bad for you I don't think an advert is going to make a blind bit of difference to him again it's education is understanding you know Luke moderation and that's the same with gambling moderation drinking moderation sweets moderation it's again it's it's education mate is the answer to me um interesting subject I'm sure we'll uh we'll discuss it probably again next week in a bit more detail once um once everything's kind of, kind of come out in the wash but uh yeah very very interesting subject so let's take a look at Hull. Uh, so obviously a very, very big game at the weekend. I think it's a great chance for us to to gain three points. Um, but let's have a look to the uh, most of it, One of my favourite sections um, of the pod is the head-to-head. Um, and I was reading through these and some very interesting stats. So in our last eight fixtures versus Hull, we've very much been the better team. We've uh, won four, drawn two and lost just two. Stoke have won 10 out of the last 21 meetings between the teams. Uh, Dan, what do you think our last win was versus them, mate?
4: Oh, last win. they went in the league last year, pre-COVID,
3: 2018. What, what was the oh? No, what, what was the score? Who come on? Oh, right. <laughs>
4: Score Oh, I'm gone. No, I am yeah, no. It was a big one. It was a one. It was the it was the last it was the last game I was at for about eighteen months. <laughs> it, was, it was only was of five one, wasn't it? Yeah. And, uh, Correct.
3: That was the yeah, last so, game before uh, COVID, it, wasn't it? last
4: game it of the was, season yes it was last game before covid it was the mm. last game before covid uh yes we all um i think we should have been going to was it reading away the week after and then ah. it got called off on the friday yes. so yes Deep i remember up. yes 5-1 five, 5-1 five, one, one we'll, we'll take that, that again, again. <laughs>
3: Yeah, Yeah. we'll definitely take that again, mate. Because, I mean, I don't think quite 5-1 unless we're really on form. But, yeah, so exactly, mate. So, our last win was 5-1. And uh, so, this was an interesting one. I'm going to see if you can get this. So, the last time we were beaten at the Bet365 by Hull was on, get this, date, the 20th of January 2005. Okay, so we lost 3-0. Oh, I remember that. We missed two penalties
4: (laughs) on the Yuan, Yuan
3: Boskamp and he promised after the game in his interview and this a, a quote to go and see Ajax and Feyenoord about signing some players on loan so um if you get the chance actually anyone to to check out the team from that game it is absolutely awful awful simmonson in in goal was probably the highlight um but with the two penalties were were poor i think the second one was like chipped into the goalkeeper's arms almost um, I remember straight after that, that Luke Chadwick, yeah, and he got booed um, because obviously we needed to score. We were already, I think, one or 2, n- two nil down at the time. So, um, yeah, so that was an interesting one. I don't, I can't remember what players boskamp came back uh, for my actual final. I think because Peter Koptev was already with us at that point. But, um, yeah, and normally this is the section where I go, well, this is where... Uh, only you know a couple of players uh, are going to be able to face them at the weekend, and normally it's Allen and Klukas. But even Allen and Klukas weren't with us in two thousand and five, so um it's very, <laughs> very much a fresh team. Um And uh, yeah, I mean, Hull have not won mate any of their last five any of their last five league games, and they've only won one away. So. um you know the, the problem is that's all looking like a Stoke City win. Every pretty much every single stat, bar the obviously the previous history, um, but that's looking like a win, mate. So uh, I think we just just take the three points now, shall we? Uh,
4: well, yes. Uh, I mean, at th- this point last week, Derby County was looking like a much Stoke City win, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so and I think there was a administration on the horizon for Hull.
3: Oh no! Well, Those right, they'll sack the manager before the weekend. So uh, you know there'll be a new manager in the stands. Just you know, it's always something like that. So
4: can I, um, can I just say as well? I wasn't making light of administration. there. the yeah, you know, I do feel deeply sorry for all the, the Derby County fans. <laughs> I'm not they're making light. I'm not making a joke. of that situation at all.
3: Yeah, no, absolutely, mate, and like you say, it's it's, it's one of them things. I mean, I think they, there's a few dodgy things that obviously Derby have done because I've seen some comments today from Derby fans saying, "Oh, Stoke have lost X amount of millions, and they aren't being investigated, and and all that business." And I think there's a lot of false um, figures that they're kind of pulling out there, and I think the difference is again, I don't know the ins and outs, but I think the difference is we didn't double the value of our stadium just to try and get through financial fair play and, and all that business. So I think that's the main difference there. But yeah, as as always, mate, we've always said this, it's always the fans that suffer. Um, so I think they've gone from 12th to 24th now, minus two points, and they literally need like automatic promotion form, I think, to to really get themselves out of that. Um, so We'll see, but I think they're down. I think Hull will just about survive, and I think we'll see Peterborough I'm trying to go out down there now. Maybe Forest. I don't know. It depends on the new manager does. Um, but I, I think I think Hull will just get out, get themselves out of it, mate. I don't know why.
4: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm struggling to see what what you know, what players they've they've actually got that it will give you that kind of confidence that's the issue with them isn't there there's no yeah there's no go-to player for them is there really there's not none that scream out to me anyway
3: no they have I th- didn't they have like a I th- well, actually we've got some audio set in, in a minute from uh, uh to Holland back uh podcast as well so we'll, they'll obviously give uh give their opinion but um i think one of the things that they kind of say i think they've obviously said the um I do know. They've been able to sign players, have they? I think they've had uh, frees and and kind of you know loans and stuff like that as the, all they've been able to do, uh, from what I remember. Um, so yeah, a, again, there's no one overly. And I did a piece actually for uh, a whole blog because they wanted a different opinion, and um, they asked me in terms of which players we would probably want to sign from Hull. And I must admit, mate, it was a bit tricky because I hardly recognised any of them. The only one I really recognised <laughs> was. Was Tom Huddleston, and he's injured. So, again, I mean, do you remember Tom Huddleston actually uh, training with us uh, at one point? He was a, he was about to sign and then decided not to. Do you remember
4: that? Yeah, is that is that when he ended up at Derby?
3: Yeah, I think so. And he just, yeah. as always, mate, he just got injured at Derby and then faded away. I mean, he's all, he's <laughs> injured again. So he's yeah. There's so many players like that who were so so promising and just faded away. But like I say, mate, um yeah, Hull. Uh, audio we've got this week is from Hull and Back Podcast. Um, so thank you very much, uh, obviously, to our friends there for doing that. So let's have a quick listen, see exactly what he thinks uh, this weekend is going to happen.
1: Hi guys, and from the To Hull and Back Podcast here. Uh, thanks for having me on. Um, this season for us has been a frustrating one. I mean, um, I don't think any City fan in, uh, in the right mind probably expects us to do anything other than have a relegation scrap. Um, though maybe without the transfer embargo in the summer and being able to actually go out and sign maybe a, a higher standard of player uh we, we might have done a bit better um only having to sign freeze and loans maybe he's hindered us a bit um and i mean we've, we we've done quite well in the transfer market to be fair we managed to bring in nine players and, and nine players of good quality i mean you look at the likes of tom Muddleston and um randall williams is a good signing. matt smith on loan he, he plays regularly for wales and you know, we, we, we've done okay given the circumstances. It's just, you know, it's going to be a long, hard season. We're, we're, we're struggling to get results. We've, we've only scored in two games. Um, we got off to a good start against Preston and then it's just gone massively downhill since. I think um, the style of play we try to do, um, we will always just incorporate a 4-3-3. That's what Grant McCann does. We won't play any other way. Um And we try to build out from the back, but this season we tend to have abandoned it and we just hit it long. Um, And we hope that the likes of Josh McGinnis can hold it up, but hopefully Tyler Smith starts so we have a, you know, a a Percy forward who who wants to press and get him behind and and, and ask some questions because um, McGinnis um, doesn't seem to have been at it lately. Um, Maybe the championship's a bit above his level. Um, But in terms of, key players for us you know we've got George Hunnaman back who was our key creator last season with, with 14 assists um, he's phenomenal from set pieces um, he's probably not Matt Sharp yet but he's back so that's always a plus Malik Wilkes um, top scorer last season with 22 goals um, he doesn't seem to have hit the ground running this year he seems I mean he's been injured so he's, I think it's another situation if he's just got to gain his fitness and his match Sharpness up again uh, but the one for me is is Keen Lewis Potter. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's a young lad from all. He's very well respected amongst our fan base. But he's 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 scored two goals this season. So he's our he's our top scorer. But <laughs> we've only scored five. So, um, but yeah, if he's on his game, he's very dangerous and give fullbacks an absolute nightmare. Um, so he'd be the one that I'd say to look out for. Um, Stoke this season have surprised me. Uh, I, I I didn't have them in my top six. Uh, estimations before the season started I think um, they're doing well to be up there, you don't seem to be brushing teams aside, which I think is a plus for us, you know, a few of the wins have been by one goal, they're quite narrow Um, so hopefully we can you know, now that we've scored against Sheffield United and got that monkey off our backs and not scoring in six games, we can try and uh, try and push on and maybe if we can get the first goal, you know, it might be a different game Um, if we concede first I don't think there'd be anything other than a Stoke win um, so, for me, I'm going to go for a prediction of. I'm going to go score, draw, and I'm going to say 1 1 with Tyler Smith to score for us. Thanks for having me, guys.
3: Lovely. Yeah, thanks very much for that, and Much appreciated, mate. So, uh, yeah, so in- interesting thoughts from him. I think, you know, he was very kind of honest, Danny and, you know, saying that he thinks it's going to be a 1 1 draw from their side. I think he admits, though, that, you know, Stoke, of course, go on and. Um, and score the first goal, that they're going to find it very, very tough. Um, and I, I agree. I think the, the problem that Hull have gotten, I think one of the key things that I took from that was they like to play quite direct football. And we know with our defence, and especially Harry Suter, if they come here and play long ball football, uh, they're going to get absolutely no joy whatsoever because that is the one tactic that we know we can defend against. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, in terms of predictions, Dan, I might as well get yours... Uh, for the time being, but um, what what do you think is going to happen this weekend? I mean, again, do you agree with me about the the direct football just ain't going to do anything for him?
4: Yeah, I mean, we had all the stats last week, didn't we? We we have the centre half who wins more aerial duels than anybody else in the league, um, and although he you know he like nobody, uh, well everybody else should I say in this side didn't have a great game at Derby, um, he was absolutely. They were wonderful in midweek last week against Barnsley. So, you know, he's um, Harry Suter will mop those headers up all day. And you know, if they try and miss him either way, Leo Ostergaard, he's proven, you know, time again as well that he's he's dominant in the air. Uh, and Ben Wilmot's no slouch either. So, the three of them, yeah, if they want to go long ball, then our three centre centre-halves will say, Yeah, that's by all means chuck it down here and we'll edit it away all day
3: yeah exactly right. and I think if if they're used to playing long ball and they try and play it on the deck and they're not accomplished enough to play it on the deck um, then again we'll be able to pick that apart so I, I can't see any scenario mate where we lose this game at the weekend I know we'd say that about Dar- uh, about the derby game but for me Hull as you, as I think we kind of said they've not really got anybody who scares us um, and I, no, I don't want to be too disrespectful you know, to Hull um, but I don't think there's anyone who scares us uh, at all. So I'm going to go for a, oh, I don't know. I was going to say 3-1, but 4 just popped into my head. I think it's about time we give someone a spanking. Um, 4-1. I'm going to go 4-1, Dan. Be optimistic. Ooh, very nice. I'm going to go 3-0. So same, same
4: uh, three-goal winning margin. Uh, but I think, yeah, well, we have an unsoiled an sheet. Uh, we'll have an unsoiled sheet. <laughs> yeah,
3: fair enough. And as soon as we've done our predictions, we always love to hear from the uh, one and only Graeme McGarry. So BBC Radio Stakes Graham Graeme McGarry, is, as, a, as I said before, is a, a friend of the show. Um, so uh, he's been in touch with his predictions Uh, He's been quite decent this season. Um, I am not following him this this week, uh, but let's see exactly what Graham had to say and what he thinks the score will be this weekend.
4: Hello there once again. This is Graham McGarry with that Potter's Prediction. So after a disappointing result last weekend at Derby County, but an excellent midweek win in the Carabao Cup that sees Stoke enter the fourth round, Can Stoke City continue that form that they showed against Watford with the new Luke squad side that they picked? This time at home to Hull City, who are finding life in the Championship difficult at the moment, having been promoted last season. Stoke will take a lot of confidence, of course, from the midweek win against Watford, and I'm pretty sure they can put that right in their game when they take on Hull in front of those passionate Potters supporters. So, here's a prediction. Let's hope we get it right this weekend. Stoke City 2, Hull City 0.
3: Yeah, cheers, Graham. Thank you very much for the audio, mate. Much appreciated. Um, so... uh,
4: uh, yes, you've, you've ditched him, have you? You've been copying him and now he got one wrong last week. You've
3: ditched oh, him. Ditched him. He hasn't got a clue what he's on about. Ditched him. <laughs> <laughs> sorry graham I, I don't mean that mate um you probably know a hell of a lot more than i do um so yeah uh yeah thanks graham i think two nil i think anyone would take it to be fair i'll take a one nil but i don't want us to be um i don't want to be that low we know what, what it's like if we're four nil up we're never comfortable as stoke fans so yeah either way um everyone's predicting a win and i think you know we again the, the kind of fan prediction uh for Hull was quite resounding um so we've asked again stoke win or draw. Uh so the results again were an eighty an eighty eight percent uh stoke win hardly surprising uh the draw was seven percent and five percent actually think hull will win now I can only think that the five percent are Hull fans um so yeah I don't think but I, I said, tell you what though Dan we say that last week I swear it was ninety six percent for a derby win uh so Stoke sorry for Stoke to beat Derby So it shows how much us Stoke fans know at times, doesn't it? And how much football can surprise you. Um, So, yeah, very, very, very interesting, May. I don't think there's going to be any particular issues about, um, you know, beating Hull. And as I've said previously, these are the games we need to try and pick up points. As a reminder, October, we've got West Brom, Sheffield United and Bournemouth, one after another. Um, So, Typical Stoke, we'll go and win all three of them. You can just see it coming, can't you? But still, on paper, they're going to be difficult games. So, um, yeah, so interesting for Hull. Um, any other thoughts before we walk on to this week's quiz for Nick Powell?
4: Um, no, I think, like I said, I think if we uh, we control the game, I think Roman Sawyers, what could be key, if they are going long and our central halves are winning them headers, He's got to be alert, and because his his position is going to be vital, because there's going to be a lot of balls dropping, you know, in and around him, and he's got to be on his toes and ready to pick them balls up, and you know, and, and use it well, uh, because obviously they they might be they might be quite happy to let us win the ball, and then try and pick up the seconds, and like I say if Sawyers isn't sort of you know on his game, switched on, and that that might be where the issues do come from. And uh, obviously, yeah, if we can map that up, then I think we'll be fine.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And actually, funny enough, we should mention this, mate, because obviously at the time of recording, um, the, the draw has actually only just taken place for uh, the next round. So let's just backtrack a little bit. So um, yeah, we've been drawn uh, to Brentford at home, mate. Um, So interesting, a bit like the Watford game, I think we all kind of know we've got a good enough team to beat Brentford. Um do you think we're gonna beat Brentford?
4: Well I think the fact is at home is massive in respect of you know to get our chances of going through. Uh because I think we we all know that obviously especially in this in the League Cup if you're at home you're much more um likely to to be able to put out a strong side and I think if you're away especially you know, with with a, a long distance travel as well, from let's say London to to the Midlands, yeah. uh, well, you know, the Northwest as well. That it's you know, it's it's easy for Brentford to leave players at home, and think you know, you know, we've got two, we'll have two tough Premier League games. No doubt who they're playing, they're going to be big games for them. First season in the Premier League, that's going to be their focus, I imagine. And uh, yeah, I think we we the fact we're at home means we can probably put out a little bit of a stronger side than if we were away. And you know, look to look to win and get. If we do, we, we're in the last eight again, just like we were last season, which you know is a fantastic achievement for for a championship club. If we can get back to back quarterfinals,
3: it is mate. And to be honest, I hope I hope Arsenal get through because I really wanted Arsenal in the next round. But obviously Arsenal at home, I wouldn't want Arsenal away. Because I don't think we, I don't we get through as much as I'd like to. But I think with the Stoke fans behind us, um, you know, never mind closing off stands. I think we'd we'd fill the stadium for Arsenal. I'm pretty sure we would, for obvious reasons. It, we we it's always a meaty t- fixture. So, yeah, hopefully we you know we could get Arsenal in the next round, May. Um, and as soon as I've again polls, and I promise you this is the last poll for tonight. It's just literally just finished a couple of minutes ago. Um, so we mentioned safe standing um I went to did a poll about whether you would stand sit or if you're undecided still so um 59% of people would stand uh 30% of people would sit and then 11% of people are undecided which I think's quite interesting i thought less people would have been wanting to stand but it shows again what kind of demands like uh for that anyway down so i think that's quite um quite intriguing and, and, and Bobster as well or, or at Lincoln Stokey has is, is left us a comment so he says personal view after the horrendous events at Hillsborough all football fans were ordered to sit at matches the legal system ruled that the authorities were to blame not the fans the freedom to choose whether to sit or stand at a match was removed now he doesn't actually tell me what his um kind of which one he's voted for I'd imagine he might be I don't know he might be a stand. Again, I'm sorry, Bob, I don't want to speak for you, mate. But, um yeah, interesting comments about that. And as I said, interesting stats. So it'll be interesting to see how sales go in that standing section when they uh, eventually land. So, yeah, um very interesting. So thank you to everybody who voted in all the polls this week. Thank you for everyone's comments. Um If uh, you'd like to pause this now and go and get your pen and paper, Dan is about to absolutely crash and burn. Uh, an- answering questions on Nick Powell so uh, feel free to pause it here
4: and uh, yeah
3: okay let's get going um, are you ready Dan to uh, be
4: embarrassed I'm as ready as I'll ever be
3: <laughs> okay lovely well the, <laughs> I did not think they're that hard I, mean, I must admit it, it, it only took me about 10 minutes to put these together so I think you'll be okay okay so question one at what age did Nick Powell make his debut for Crew Alexandra
4: I oh, know this one's 16.
3: Correct. See what I mean, it's, it's all me, mate? I'm helping you out here. Because I mean, your, your general knowledge <laughs> is just, just shocking. Um, so, question two In what year did Powell sign for
4: Stoke? Right. So, this is his third season with Stoke. So, what are we, 21-22? 2021. we 2019.
3: Correct. June 2019. How much did Stoke pay for him?
4: I believe he was a free transfer. Was he our contract at Wigan?
3: Oh, excellent. I tried to catch you out there, mate. Yeah, we paid nothing. (laughs) His contract ran out with Wigan. He decided not to extend his stay. So, oh, damn, I thought I was going to get you on that one. Okay. Uh, (laughs) He scored his first goal for Stoke in a 5-2 victory in 2020. But who was it against? 5-2 victory
4: 2020. The... 5-2 5-2 where I can think of was Huddersfield. Is that right?
3: Damn it. Yeah, four out of four. Well done, mate. You mm. See, so you're smashing this. I told you you'd do it. That was Tyrese's well, day, that was.
4: I remember that game.
3: Good old Tyrese. Um, okay, how many goals did Powell score in his first season for us? Oh,
4: well, he's got 20 for Stoke now. I think he scored 12 last year. He's got a couple of six.
3: Oh, unfortunately not, made Close with five. Five.
4: Okay. Five.
3: Okay. Unlucky. Um, <laughs> how many goals did Powell score last season?
4: Well, in that case... <laughs> <laughs> so he scored five. I'm going to go with... Because he's got 20 altogether. So I'm going to say 13. Twelve, unfortunately, mate. He must have three this
3: year though. Twelve. Uh, yep, yeah, I think so. Mate. We rely on Wikipedia here, and it's was updated yesterday, apparently. So uh, we'll go with that. Um, yep. How many career goals does uh, does he have? Career goals in total. I'm going to give career you a margin of five total. because it's quite a big one. So this is obviously Crew, uh, Man United, I suppose, uh, Wigan and Stoke.
4: Right, so he scored twenty for he's got twenty for Stoke. I know that much. And <laughs> um, then he scored, he, didn't he score like twenty five or something for Crew in his first full season? And um, he got the winner of the playoff final. I know that much. So I think so. There's nearly fifty already. I don't think he scored many for United, but then he's been playing for Wigan for three years as well. So I'm gonna say seventy three.
3: Oh mate, that you need you needed that that group of five, you know that, that kind of buffer seventy eight. So I'll give you that one. Very good, uh, good working out that one, mate. Well done. Uh, the <laughs> next one was how many goals has he scored in his seventy seven appearances for the club? Give me the answer. Twenty. Twenty, correct. Question nine: What shirt number does he wear, and what washing detergent does he use? I'm trying to choke you, mate. Uh, <laughs> what, sh- what shirt number does he wear?
4: He's worn number 25 his whole career, as far as I'm aware.
3: And who wore 25 before him?
4: Oh, that's a good question. 20, of course, yeah, Peter Crouch.
3: <laughs> Peter Crouch, well done, mate. Okay, and how how old is Nick Powell?
4: Uh, well, tw- uh, yeah, so he's 68, about 27 now.
3: Correct. Excellent work, mate. Again, you're smashing these. I really need to put more... Effort in and, and stop you getting well. So you've got eight this week. Um, so excellent I effort that is, mate.
4: I do love the crew palette. I must say, you know, it's a good subject for me.
3: It's one of them, though, mate. Yeah, again, Mister Stato, you should be getting good good stats with like this. So, um, yeah, great work. Well. That pretty much brings um, everything to a head this week. So uh, thank you, everybody, who's made it through to the end of the pod. We always appreciate, you know, your your time and effort in joining us. Uh, Please feel free to, you know, again, reach out to any friends, family, etc. As always, this pod only exists for you lot. If you don't listen, we don't make it. It's as simple as that. So uh, thank you to everybody. Um, And obviously, thank you to yourself, Dan, for joining us, mate. We can uh, both get to bed now. It's just gone midnight. I think it has pretty much like that. So, uh, yeah, thanks for joining us.